In today's episode, I interview Jenny from Simple Profit. She's a CPA and a therapist who came into our membership called The Library and spoke about accounting systems, taxes, and all the things we need to know as new and growing business owners in the healthcare field. So in today's episode, I'm playing a couple clips of what Jenny shared. And I also want to remind you that we have a free webinar coming up here at Dietitian Boss. I want you to sign up to register for that webinar over at dietitianboss.com on the homepage. You'll see an opportunity to register and we look forward to seeing you there where I'm going to be talking about secrets to making sales as a dietitian without feeling pushy. We look forward to it. Education stuff for any small business owner. A lot of the small business owners that follow me are service providers. So therapists, dietitians fit right in with that. And so I want to give just a little bit of an overview of taxes and some basics that you want to know, and then we can go into any of these topics. So when you start a business, it's different from, it's different and not different from when you had a W-2 job. So when you had a W-2 job, you work for someone else at some point in your life, they gave you some money, they, you knew that they had agreed to pay you a certain amount, but you got less than that because they took some taxes out and gave it to the government. And all the government expects is that when you're self-employed, so you work for yourself, that you do the same thing, but it's actually a little bit more lax. You don't have to do it like every paycheck, every two weeks or whatever, just once a quarter. So four times a year, they want you to take some of that money that you earned, set it aside and pay it into the government. And so when we talk about taxes, we're talking about the same process that you've always filed followed when you work for someone. You got a check. Some of your tax money went to the government. Then at the end of the year, you got a W-2 and you put on your taxes. And then the tax return told you whether you had paid enough and you get some money back or whether you didn't pay enough and you owe. We're going to do all that same stuff. It's just going to look and feel different. And because it's unfamiliar and different, we're going to think that it's wildly, wildly more complicated but it's not wildly more complicated. It's in some ways simpler. In some ways, it's a little more complicated. So instead of having a paycheck where they, they withhold some of the money, we're instead going to have accounting records. And we talked last time about some accounting records. We're going to have something that's going to track our revenue and our expenses so we know what we made. And I want to c- compare when I work for someone else. And let's say I, they hire me and they're going to pay me $50,000. I know I'm not going to get $50,000 in my deposits because some of my money is going to go for taxes. But the equivalent of that $50,000 is my net profit from my business. And the reason why my gross pay from a W-2 job is the same as my net profit from my business is because that's the number I'm going to be taxed on. So if instead we think about the, the amount they promised to pay me as the from my employer before they took my taxes out as the amount I pay tax on. So if they hire me $50,000, I'm going to pay tax on $50,000. If in my business, I have client revenue coming in and it's $70,000, and then I have to spend money on my software, my advertising, my rent, and it adds up to about $20,000. And after I pay all those things to set up, run my business, I've got $50,000 left as net profit. It's the same as if I work for someone else making $50,000. The government said, hey, Jenny, you work for someone else, $50,000, you're going to tax that. Hey, Jenny, you had a business and you made $50,000, going to tax that. So it's important to think about that it seems different because when we call our gross salary, 
for the, when we work for someone else and we call it our net profit. So it seems like that's very different, but that's the equivalent number. So I have to have accounting records for my business because I need to find out what that number is that I made because when they say that's the number in tax, but what number was that? I don't know. Well, how are you going to report it to the government and pay tax on it? So that's why we have to have accounting records. So that's step one. Step two is we don't want to get stuck at the end of the year with a gigantic tax bill and not having that. Because if if you were to add up every little couple hundred dollars they took out of every single paycheck all year long, it would add up to a really big number. And the reason it, it doesn't ever surprise anyone or create like a lot of consternation, and sometimes it's a, a fun thing, you get a refund, is because when you take money out of every little check, it's just small amounts. It's like more digestible. I'll use a food term. And so we want to do the same thing for ourselves. We're self-employed because it can be really easy to think, oh, I made $50,000 that get $50,000. No, you don't. That's your before tax number. And so every week, two weeks or month, at least, I want to be looking at what I made and taking some amount of that number. And we'll talk about how to figure that out. But some amount of that number needs to just go over into a savings account the same way my former employers took the money out of my paycheck, put it over here and later send it to the government. I'm going to do that same thing. And that way at the end of the year, if I get a big tax bill and it's like $25,000 or $20,000 or whatever, it depends on what I made, it's going to actually hurt. It's going to emotionally hurt. It's going to feel physically painful. It's going to be mentally really difficult to wrap our head around if that money isn't just sitting in a savings account. And so it's really important. We do our accounting. We set money aside as we go. And then we quarterly want to pay it in. Well, we say quarterly, but really estimated taxes aren't exactly on the quarter. So here's another thing that throws people off where it's It's not super different, but it's a little different. And because it's different, we think, ah, but the, the dates are usually April, which is the hardest one because it's the same time your last year's taxes were due. So if you owe for last year and you have to make the first quarterly payment at the same time, if you're not prepared for that, it's kind of a double whammy. So April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th. And you want to think about, you know, if you didn't write those dates down, I'm going to say them again. And also they're all over my website. So you have no problem finding them and I'll tell you exactly where to go. You want to think about it as it happens on the 15th because that's 15 days after the end of the month. And so they want you to have like 15 days to just figure out your numbers before you pay. So the April 15th is actually the tax for January through March. And then I get 15 days to figure it out and get the money sent over. The June 15th is actually a month early. So although the government would really like you to just say, hey, my whole tax for this whole year is going to be $10,000. So I'll just pay 25, 25, 25, 2500 all year. But when they make the June payment early, it's kind of hard. I, I, I only made two months of additional income, April and May. And that's June 15th. It's not the end of June. And so what a lot of people do is they'll just take the, the April and May profit, calculate the tax, send that off in June. The next one's in September. And then the last one is in January. And it's, so it's we, January, you can, you know what you made for the whole year. There's not as much guessing in January because you have the whole year. Plus you can kind of figure out if you're going to make a retirement contribution or certain other things like that. And you're going to make that last payment by January 15th. 
The dates are the 15th, but if they fall on a holiday or a weekend, they go to the next business day. And a lot of people might remember that this year taxes were due April 18th, which was actually a Tuesday, even though Monday didn't seem like a holiday. It was actually a holiday in Washington, D.C. And so you can always Google what the tax day is for the year and Google will tell you what it is. But it's it's if you look at the calendar and January is almost always the 16th or the 17th because Martin Luther King Jr. Day is on that Monday. And so it's always that Tuesday in January. So you're going to make some payments during the year. Then you're then here's tax season. Here's tax time. It's February, March or April. And you're ready to figure out, did you do a good job estimating and paying in? And this process is the most similar to when you work for someone else because you have a tax return. You're going to put on the tax return what you made, what your spouse made if you filed with a spouse, any other income that you earned during the year that might be taxable. And then the tax software works its magic or your tax professional figures it out and says, okay, you owe this. One of the most important things when you're self-employed is to double check that the number the tax return says you paid in the year is the number you actually paid in the year. So if I did pay 2,500 four times, I should be able to see on my taxes paid in 10,000. Very similar, although people don't necessarily look at this. When I have a W-2, it says on the W-2 what I paid in. I put that in the tax software. The tax software makes me enter my, my W-2. Or if I use a tax professional, they enter it for me into a tax software. And it says what I paid. And then that number shows up on the return. And most people don't check that because when you work for a W-2 job and someone entered the W-2, as long as the W-2 isn't right, it's there. But with estimated taxes, it's a little different. Your tax person might have told you to pay 2000 a quarter and you got nervous and paid 2500 a quarter. And so if they go put the lower number at 8000 on your taxes and you actually paid 10 then the IRS has to do more math. And we don't want the IRS to have to do extra math. They, they struggle enough. So we want to give that accurate number. So the taxes will calculate what you owed, what you already paid, and just like always, the difference. Do you owe more? Or are you going to get a refund? So that's pretty much the whole process of estimated taxes. Know your numbers, save money as you go, pay it in periodically, and have your stuff ready for your tax season so you can see if you paid in enough or if you still owe a little more. As a reminder, I want you to register for our free upcoming webinar where I talk about three secrets to sell as a dietitian without feeling salesy. Now, this webinar is both for new practitioners and for those of you who are growing your business, you will get some tips and tactics. I actually help you build a sales page with me during the webinar. So I want you to register for this free webinar over at dietitianboss.com. We'll see you there. Whether it's a recap or you're adding to your your great recap of estimated quarterly taxes, what would you say are the biggest mistakes that you see practitioners make when it comes to quarterly taxes? So nobody ever makes a mistake saving too much. Yeah. Sometimes people start a business out of a position where financially they might be on the more desperate side and need to start a business. So if you work for someone and it was an awful situation and you had to leave and you just had to start your business and maybe you're a single parent or maybe you're just struggling out and you don't have a lot of family support. it it, So so this isn't necessarily a mistake, but it is an issue if you don't have like, I got to pay my bills. Like, I don't want to get evicted. I'll deal with the IRS later. And if so, if you're in a stuck position where you just can't save enough because you're scraping to get by, that isn't a mistake. That's just life happening to you. But if you are in a position where you could have saved and instead you went shopping, well, that is 
something that could have been avoided. And so we want to think about the taxes as something we set aside first. So not necessarily that we don't pay ourselves. And if anyone's read the book Profit First, the idea is you pay yourself first, but nowhere in that book do you not save for the taxes at kind of the same time. The idea is about prioritizing your own pay, which is great, but the government is going to get their money one way or the other. And so you want to make sure that you're setting aside enough. And if you aren't sure, then set aside extra. It is totally fine to be a person who wants to underpay your taxes during the year and owe at your end versus someone who wants to overpay and get a refund. To me, those are just preferences. And some people are like, you know what? I kind of use it as forced savings. And when I get that big refund at tax time, that's how I keep my house repaired and up to date and things. And I really like having that pot of money coming back to me. And other people are like, oh, that sounds like a free loan to the government. Don't do that. Pay a little less than you owe and then get a refund or try to get really close. Whichever one is your preference, you can still oversave. You can still set aside some money. You can put it in a, in a, in a high yield savings account and set it aside so that if you do get a big tax bill bigger than you expected when it comes tax time, you've got the money aside. So that would be one area where I would say if it's preventable, make sure you're saving enough or more than you need just in case. And if you do save extra, a nice thing is that if you go, oh, I thought it was going to sit, oh, 25,000 and it was only 18. Great. Throw that money in a retirement plan, go on a vacation or do both. So if you over, can't go wrong over saving. The other thing where I say people have like a pitfall is just putting their head in the sand and trying to avoid the whole thing or not even giving it any consideration. You will always do better going, well, I didn't know what to save, I guessed, and saving something rather than avoiding the whole issue. Um, And then there's third one, which is more like a myth that people believe the myth, so kind of a mistake, is that people go, well, the first year in business, you don't have to pay estimates. That is not true. It actually is that your first year of like making any money, if you didn't make any money last year, you don't have to pay in during the year. And that is because they base the, there's two ways to avoid a penalty. And one of the ways to avoid a penalty is you pay at least as much as you pay last year. So if what you pay last year was zero because you didn't have a job because you were a stay-at-home parent and you made no money at all, or because... Yeah, that would be that would be a good example. Then, well, 100% of zero is zero. So you're not going to get a penalty, but it does not mean you're not going to owe taxes for this first year. And so I treat the first year as your practice. You you do owe it. If you're making money, the government actually says, if you owe us at least $1,000, you need to start making estimated payments. Now, we might not penalize you if you didn't have any income last year, but you do are still supposed to pay it. So to me, the rule says pay it, I pay it. Also, the first year is like figure it out so that by the second year, you're a little more familiar with the process. And by the third year, you'll have it down. I generally think for most people, estimated taxes is a three-year learning curve. The first year, you're uncomfortable. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I guess maybe I am. I hope. Second year, you're like, okay, all right, I overpaid or underpaid. I can do some adjustments. Still uncomfortable. Third year, okay, no big deal. I just set aside this money, pay it, works out. Yeah, that that's really helpful in terms of the, the three-year learning curve because it's a different way of looking at things. It's another system. Last last time you were a guest, Jenny, we talked about the systems, whether it's QuickBooks, Excel, or finding some way to 
some accounting system, right? We talked managing your money, and now we're talking about a system for taxes, whether, as you said, you over contribute, right? And then you don't, you get a refund or you might go on the lower end and then pay more money if I said that correctly. So whichever route you go about, once you do it regularly, no right or wrong, right? As long as you don't get a penalty and you're not avoiding it, as long as you have a pocket of money saved, whether it's in a separate account or it's your account, but earmarked, then you'll be in better shape to not avoid penalties. And then to have a system where next year it's less scary, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, so I, I can say from personal experience, it, it feels scary at first because it, it it's new, but then it gets more of a habit where all the nuances you mentioned just become something you're familiar with. And it really helps. Like you mentioned, Jenny, with the record keeping, because if you don't have the records, it's really difficult to know what to save and what to plan, which is why those records and having a simple system are no joke because yeah. a penalty for the IRS, like. I know you mentioned scraping by and I, that people, that's a real thing that people, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a name for entrepreneurs that have to create a business. It's not a choice. Like you have to, to survive. And people are in different situations as to why they need to make money. And, and I understand that people go through different routes of paying taxes and, and, or extended plans that the government has, but you do get penalties for that if you're not paying on time. And so that's not ideal, right? If we, if you can, figure out a way to at least whether you're overpaying estimate or paying, you know, on the minimum and then getting some form of a, a refund or not is probably better to do that than have the penalties. Right. I mean, that w- yeah. I would be so scared of penalties from the government. Well, so, so there's, and there's a few different kinds of penalties and people can get a little bit very anxious around the idea of penalties. So if you just didn't pay enough in each quarter, or you just didn't pay enough during the year and you were a little bit short, the penalty is probably going to be really small. I mean, think about like, we don't really worry too much about getting a parking ticket, right? So it might be the price of a parking ticket, maybe the be the price of three parking tickets. It really depends on how much you underpay. The bigger the underpayment, like if you were you know, started your practice and it took off and you were doing all kinds of things and your tax bill was going to be $50,000 and you didn't pay anything in, like, it's not going to be a parking ticket. It's going to be a little more. But if you just, you know, put in 22% and maybe you should have put in 26, like, you know, it's going to look like a parking ticket. So it's, they're usually not too big. The bigger penalties come when you don't have enough to pay at tax time. So as long, that's why I said, it's always better to guess and pay something or save as much as you can and then not worry about it at your end. So what happens if you get to the end of the year and it says your tax bill is $9,000 and you're like, I have 1,500. Oops, now I'm supposed to pay the first quarter estimate. Do I pay the estimate? Do I pay last year's taxes? I generally tell people, you know, if, if, it, if it's easier for you to just make this year right, and pay the first quarter and then do an installment plan for last year, do that. If you wanted to just get last year finished before you start paying this year, that's fine. But this is what I call the tax hole. And this is the hardest place to be as a brand new business owner. Because think about how much work you go through your first year to get clients, set up your systems, figure out which software you want to use, you know, get all the paperwork organized, change the paperwork, change how the electronic signatures work. All those stuff. And then to get to the end of the year and go, I have to decide between paying my first 2024 payment or my my final 2023 payment. Nobody wants to be in that position. And it can take years to dig out of this hole. But if you get to this position, because out of necessity or just didn't do it, what you're going to do is you you can ask the IRS for a payment plan. And the IRS wants people to be compliant, believe it or not. 
They actually try to make it as easy as you can to get your taxes paid. And the people they really, really, really go after are the people who are intentionally really trying to evade tax and 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 deceitfully cheat the government out of their money for whatever reason they might have that they think is is justified or not. But if you are just, oh, I was short. I didn't have the money. Then you're just going to go online. You're going to request a payment plan. You're going to start paying monthly. And you're going to save as much as you can for the current year, pay as much as you can towards last year. So you get out of this hole and then you will be so pleased to only pay one year of taxes again, which is again, another reason why paying the first year is such a great idea because you have to pay tax in each year. Better do it when you're earning the money than have to next year save two years worth. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. If you're looking for support to start, grow, and scale your dietitian private practice, I want to invite you to work with me and my team. We have a few different options. Head over to dietitianboss.com and apply to have a conversation with somebody from our sales team to discuss your options for your budget and stage of business. Head over to dietitianboss.com and we look forward to connecting.